there's an element where I hadn't had any kind of formalised chef training. And so there's that part of you that's like, but if I've not had that, I don't know what I'm doing. So really, is it is it worth doing or will I be as good as this person or will it actually get anywhere? This is Lekka. I'm Lucy Dearlove. I first met Marie Mitchell about a year and a half ago when I was researching guests for a Guardian podcast I was producing about home cooking. The series was called Let's Eat, and for this particular episode, I was looking for two generations of the same family to come and cook a roast and talk about the significance of Sunday dinners in their family. So I persuaded Marie and her mum, Barbara. Her dad, Earl, would also have come too, but he was unfortunately busy. To come and cook a roast with Ed Kimber. The resulting episode was a real delight. It was actually nominated for a Fortnum and Mason Food Award. And so much of that charm was down to Marie and Barbara, and Ed, of course. They came up in my research because of a supper club Marie was running with her parents, Pops Kitchen. Pops is one of an impressive array of food businesses that Marie's involved with, all aimed at cooking and celebrating delicious Caribbean food and drink of all varieties. After the Guardian series had gone out, I got in touch with Marie again and asked if she would be interested in being a guest on Lekka, which she kindly agreed to. And so, on a sunny autumn day, I went round to her place in East London. A small disclaimer, this interview was recorded a little while ago. I'm not going to admit exactly how long ago because it will reveal how disorganised I am. And it was before Marie knew what she was going to be doing this year, which is running a year-long restaurant pop-up with her business partner, Joe, who she talks about a bit in this episode. So you can find Island Social Club cooking delicious curry and roti and other bits and serving the most incredible cocktails in the evenings at Curio Cabal in Dalston until the end of 2019. Oh my god, yes, please. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> who's this? Very noisy. How long have you had him? I've inherited him from my housemate. Oh, no way. Um, so he's three. Aww. Do you want a thing? He is. He's half Bengal. Oh, hello. What's his name? Manu. Oh, hey, Manu. I like his colour. I know, it's, it's so cool, stylish. isn't it? And he's got a little red bandana too. Oh my god. <laughs> You know when he's about to be naughty because he gives you the most ultimate puss in boot size. And they are huge. And I'm like, you're about to scratch the safer, aren't you? I know you are. But my kitchen's just definitely not um, set up to kitchen levels yet. It'll get uh, there, That must be tough for you. It's weird because I was like, where did all my um, equipment suddenly go and stuff? But I think it's just from years of 
living room, like yeah. shared flats, and obviously you leave things and stuff, and then just a trail of stuff over the years. Yeah, and before I was here, I was living on a boat. Oh my god, no way! <laughs> yeah. Where? Um, just by Sprinkle Park. So it's just on the border between Clapton and Stamford Hill. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah so it was yeah. absolutely beautiful. It was last summer, and. Yeah, I think living on a boat must be nice in the summer. Oh, it was idyllic. You just, I was in love with life. Oh, it was so lovely. And I'd just invite people over for really nice dinners in the evenings. And we'd just sit and chat and have a really nice time. And um, so I, before I was on there, I just kind of downsized. But then obviously I moved into here and realised I'd basically pretty much got rid of everything. <laughs> so it was just a bit like, oh, now I need to buy a whole new kitchen, which is really expensive. Yes. First of all, what are you making? Lemon drizzle cake. I'm a strong fan of citrus. Yeah, lemon, definitely top on the list and works so well in cakes and really delicious flavour. And just, you know, it's, it's indulgent, but, you know, there's fruit in there. So definitely, it definitely like at least better. one of your five a day. Exactly. The zest counts for everything. I'm always impressed when I see people doing baking recipes without actually looking at a recipe. Oh, like, yeah. An, an ingrained thing. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I've been practicing for days. I've just done <laughs> 20 million. No, weirdly, I mean, I do, I often look at recipes and then practice different ones and then see, kind of adapt it to for my own. Um, and I ended up making this far more zesty and citrusy. Mm. I think for me, like, I don't like it too sweet, but. You know, you obviously need a bit, but this kind of gives... I love creaming the butter and the sugar, mm. and I am known to just taste it a little too much. Oh, I just... It, that it's so good. Oh. That's why I really believe in the Dutch, you know? They love putting butter and sugar oh, on bread. Oh, they do, yeah. don't they? <laughs> and I was travelling... So I met one of my best friends when I was travelling South America about six years ago. She... We were in, like, oh, we were in Argentina, and we were having breakfast... And then we, you just get bread and butter, really. And she just got the bread and then put the butter on and sugar. And I was like, what is going on here? And at the time was disgusted and then tried it and was like, well, oh God, this is a conversion. I should never have made that. <laughs> um, and also just started having a real strong obsession with brownies while I was there. So oh. And discovered coffee, but only boozy coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just really indulging in life. Which that was, sounds great. It was probably one of the best times of my life. <laughs> That's probably why she was so cemented. Like yeah. my formative years. Those people. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so um, that, that's how my, I think, love of sugar and butter kind of grew <laughs> in intensity. Um, so yeah, so I'm just creaming the butter and sugar now. And then I will slowly add my eggs in. That's what makes it so delightfully fluffy and airy is the amount of eggs you use in this one okay nice yeah it's often you only use well not often depending on what you're baking it's like one or two maybe but it's four in this one. Oh, that's rich it i like is. it yeah and then it just oh and all the delicious lemony sugariness melts in when you pierce it at the end so is this something you make a lot do you bake a lot i I used to bake a lot when I was younger because whenever I was on school holidays, I would go, would kind of rotate around family. So my mum would look after like my brother and I and maybe one or two of my cousins and then we'd go to another family member just to kind of help out during the holidays and stuff. This is more kind of summer holidays especially, mm. but also half terms and things. And when I was at my nan's, she bakes. So every, I think she's probably got about 24 grandkids now. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah, there's amazing. A, there's a few of us. 
So, but I think she bakes a cake for everyone for their birthday, and it's always a oh fruit cake. Yeah, and it's so good. She just has the fruit sitting in rum all year round. Yeah, it's delicious. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of fruit cake, but my nan's is delicious. Yeah. And she makes me special lemon icing because I never used to like marzipan, oh, which I do now. Great. But still, she always makes so that for me. Icing, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of maybe that's where the citrus love grew. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was at my nan's, we would bake. I would always ask if we could bake stuff so she would always make cakes and stuff with me which I loved so I think there's just there's something very nostalgic about it I think when I am baking and just I, I find it like it's my kind of peaceful zen just relaxing moment because it is very it is very different I think you're in quite a different headspace aren't oh, you yeah. I mean especially because you cook professionally <laughs> like it's very different but actually like having to sort of do the preciseness yes. and follow this thing it yeah. allows you to kind of suspend everything else for a bit and just concentrate on it. and that. it does that's the thing and I often you know Put a podcast on. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's a great place to it listen is, to. That's exactly is. the sort of like distraction you need. You do, and just you kind of zone out, and then you kind of lost between this world of your making and the world between like your listening or whatever's going on in the background, which is really nice. I base. I really want to do a Victoria sponge cake, but using guava jelly, which oh. is yeah, which was um, I just oh, I loved guava when I was little. That we'd have guava jelly. It was basically a jam. Well, it is a jam. It's just um would have it with these uh, water crackers that was like one of the snacks that my mum used to always give us if we were having a treat mm, that sounds good so good so I was thinking about doing one with that just to kind of start bringing in a bit more of the tropical elements to some mm. of my baking like once you kind of nail the basics of a cake you can then start thinking about how the different flavours would work with it yeah. and then adapting it for what you want really which is exactly what I love doing um yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do when you're not baking? So I'm running a few different food businesses. <laughs> just got uh, fingers in a yeah, You know, you've got to keep your options open, guys. Um, I started my own pop-up a couple of years ago, pretty much almost two years ago now, called Pop's Kitchen, that um, I started developing with my mum helping in um, front of house and my dad helping me cook. <laughs> And it was a Caribbean pop-up with kind of focus on being a bit more conscious within the Caribbean realm because though the food is absolutely delightful, often it's quite heavy mm. and sometimes quite laden with um, salt and fat, which is amazing when you want to be indulgent. But, you know, I think the world we live in, we're becoming a bit more conscious of what we're eating. So it's like having that in mind and adapting things to kind of taking out the fat that you don't need and lightening things up and just giving it a kind of different edge modernizing it i suppose that's that was that was the angle that i came at it with and then after i've been running it for probably about 8 months yeah no gosh it was quite early on about 5 5 months in i met joe and biko who are now my business partners and they were running a run pop-up called Everybody's at the time. Ideal marriage. I know, it was so good. I basically met them via Instagram. <laughs> Brilliant. Social, doing its thing. And um, we, I saw that they had an event coming up, so I said, let me know when it is, let me come. So I did. And just absolutely loved it. The drinks were amazing. They kind of didn't take like, any kind of rum punches I'd ever had before. 
just I think it was more there was just a, a greater depth in the flavour and it wasn't just about really strong overpowerful rum which sometimes is great <laughs> but there, you could you could taste that there was lots of fresh fruits and things within those punches and I think that's what made them so lethal because you couldn't really taste the alcohol oh, <laughs> and then you know suddenly you're under a tree you're five dancing. down exactly <laughs> you know it was a lot of fun and um, really really kind of I really liked their energy and they um, we started discussing doing collaborative supper club together where they would do the punches, we'll do the curated rum punch menu alongside the food. Mm. So we did that in Palm 2 in Clapton and it was really great. It was incredibly stressful. We ended up doing about 70 covers and it was the first time I'd done that many. And oh my God. Yeah, it was overwhelming. I didn't sleep for a couple of days before. Jesus. <laughs> yes, because I'm just, I'm a bit of a traditionalist in my approach of everything, I, I think, I suppose, or I try to be as much as I can. And decided I was going to make all the cocoa bread buns by myself. <laughs> uh, all like, 80 of them, because I you know, made, made sure they were extras. And I kept, because I was so tired, I kept burning the yeast. Oh. So it took, <laughs> I'd been practicing them before and things, but just, and they, these are the things you learn about sometimes actually making sure that you do sleep. Um, <laughs> so but eventually I was like, right, let's just kind of think about what you're doing here. Stop doing it. Um, and then made them and they were, so delicious they were the most beautiful little buns um because we served some um really yummy hake in there with we made our own kind of spiced ketchup and planting crisps yeah it was really good it was a very it was a very very good menu but that was a massive eye-opener for like timings and how many people you really do need and kind of learning from that but luckily lots of amazing people that were very supportive and could see that we were starting out and that was obviously the first foray into feeding that many people and the space and everything but it was really beautiful um and I just I just really just thought it was a great marriage really so we carried on running the supper clubs like that afterwards and then the beginning of this year we decided to merge businesses or kind of form a new one together um by the name of Island Social Club and with that we then launched Roti Shop in Tottenham which was our street food site which is now closed for the summer um, and we're just working on our next stages for taking that into winter and next year and then within that as well we still do everybody's and we do the pops pop-ups which is again focusing on more of the conscious caribbean um modernizing element and then roti shop is street food but focused on roti and exploring the realms of that as street food because that's kind of it started off when it starts off it is it's almost seen as like Caribbean street food in mm. that, you know, often you get it at carnival and things like that. So it's looking at that, but then playing around with this element of exploring all of the Caribbean. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. So I think that's, that's definitely, definitely gets homogenised here. Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing is that, I mean, I my heritage is Jamaican, but a lot of the time our exposure to the Caribbean here is Jamaican mm. as opposed to... I mean, you get notes of it with Trinidad and Tobago with, or more Trinidad from Carnival and Roti. That's kind of like the birthplace of Roti because of the heavy um, Indian influence within the country. Of course. But yeah. for us, there are other places that we just we haven't touched upon. And, and I think the exciting thing, is, as well as it being something that hasn't been explored in as much depth as it could have been, is that it gives us an opportunity to learn more about what the Caribbean is as a whole and how how we've become it's like an 
another culture in itself in that mm. you know being London Caribbean what does that mean yeah absolutely obviously you're born and bred I'm born and bred London uh, Londoner but obviously my upbringing was from parents that were originally born in Jamaica they both moved here when they were eight years old so they you know they're, they're, they're British but their upbringing had obviously very strong relations to the Caribbean far more than course, mine does yeah. so it's just how that kind of not I wouldn't don't want to use the word term dilute because I feel that's then it's kind of saying that you're no longer you know it's weakening and that's it's not it at all exactly that's, that's definitely not the case. no it's more a case of it's just how it transforms and molds yeah. and and Evolves. exactly and by doing that with food and music and rum <laughs> I mean, uh, it like yeah exactly you can have so much fun and, and it's and, and it's really it's really exciting cause, because you know we don't learn enough about caribbean history and things oh, at school God, absolutely yeah and for me i really feel like it's a way of me connecting with my heritage yeah um, so i'm very desperate at some stage to go and do a proper research trip yeah. I was going to say, I mean, surely this seems like a natural progression. It does, yeah. We wanted to go early next year, but we just haven't had the chance. So I think it's definitely on the cards and as soon as possible, really. I just just to kind of get that real sense of it and, and you know, immerse yourself for however long you can and in, in the different on the different islands um is there anywhere in particular you really want to go we're really interested in going to the french islands so like martinique and guadeloupe oh, cool. yeah we've got we've, there's a lot of love for those we've been doing lots of research around them and i'm just quite keen to do more because it's funny we met some um martinicans they came and they tasted the one of the curries we have at roti shop and originally we'd been putting white wine in because that's what we'd read when we'd researched from some of the recipes. And they were just like, why on earth are you putting wine in? That's so French. Like, as in French French. And we were just like, because that's what we saw. And they were like, no. So it's, it's interesting, like, obviously what you can, what the information that you access here and maybe the differences when you actually go. And that's why I think it's so important for us to actually go because then you can see firsthand yeah. what's really going on. Um, but it's and again it might be a case that, that is what used to happen when the French colonised but maybe as time went on people were like why do you <laughs> and why? just nobody's written about exactly it. like why so you never know so it's about kind of going and you know it's discovering yeah because where is it how does kind of how, how do you do the basis of your research like where are you finding these, this information I'm a bit of a weirdo and just off I initially used to just be like what flavours do I want to taste? And so I would start off with an idea that I wanted the the star of the show to be chilli, so would then curate the menu around that. Then when I met Joan Biko, Joe is obsessed with the British Library, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very good place to be obsessed with. Yeah. Um, so we started like meeting there and researching, um, finding books and things. God, um, where do you even begin with that? Well, this is the so thing, and it, it is, and they're quite funny. No, like, it was great, it was a good test, but when obviously you sign up, they're, they're like, what What do you want to research? Yeah. What books are you interested in? Yeah. And I was just, like, oh. I know, I thought it was, I, I thought it was a test, and I spent half an hour <laughs> just looking at various different things, like, oh, that sounds good, and maybe this one looks good. And they don't really care. No, that's <laughs> even just checking that you actually want to come and, and actually do some work. Yeah. As opposed to just hang out, sort of thing. But um, which Jay found hilarious because like Marie took it really seriously. <laughs> that's me all over. It's intimidating. It's, it's that's, intimidating thank you. That's the word really that didn't come out. That it was. Yeah. It was so intimidating. There was all these really serious people. Exactly. In there. Like, oh god. Um, so yeah, that was quite funny. <laughs> um, I think now is the time for us to be having these discussions, and it's about making sure that 
they're exploring and looking at what the, the term Caribbean or London Caribbean means to you or as a general uh, collective or I mean, this thing it's, it's so varied and everyone mm. approached everything in a different manner but then it's also trying to make it an or making sure it's an inclusive space so that we can all have discussions around it and start to understand where how someone might feel from a London Caribbean background or Caribbean or African or you know various different places and then exploring that within the context of being here and being getting these opportunities and meeting lots of different people and the immersion of all these cultures and being really excited about it so I think it it's just a way in which to kind of create a space to have these discussions mm. and for them to be really open and honest ones where we can all kind of feel a bit more united mm. um yeah it definitely feels like that is a time when we need it does that's the thing there are plenty lots of people that are wanting to but essentially from everyone the reason why i think we're kind of in this place at the moment is it's just a lack of knowledge mm-hmm. and the one of our you know, one of the worst things that we all do as humans is we don't communicate and when that happens you get fear and fear then creates these kind of segregations and mm-hmm. that's that's the most toxic thing and it is really important to talk and so i think yeah i'm really excited about kind of trying to start to get get everyone talking so that's kind of where the business is heading just grating the lemon zest so where I, I mean i'm guessing because you're involved with your family and stuff that you that cooking is a big part of your family life so oh, did you yeah. learn to look at, cook at home Yes, my dad is a very keen cook um, and I think he used to take a lot of pleasure, or still does actually, you, know, you can see it, he'll call and be like, oh, I made this the other day. <laughs> it's, it's good and, and again, this is I find it really exciting because uh, both um, my dad and my mother are really trying to be a bit healthier in, in their approach to food now and they've drastically cut back on a lot of meat which is quite a heavy staple in like Caribbean diets and they're eating a lot more vegetables and fish I mean they've always eaten a lot of fish I'm absolutely obsessed with the sea um so but he yeah it definitely stemmed from I think really came from dad and then the baking and kind of that side was from my grandma my mum's a really good cook but just doesn't have the same patience for, <laughs> for it as um myself and my dad do so I think my he was often quite busy with work and things so and now he's retired so I think he really enjoys that pleasure of slow cooking that is a real luxury yeah exactly and I think that's why like you know when we were younger back in the day as they say you wouldn't be shops wouldn't be open on Sundays so Sundays yeah. would be because he used to work in retail to manage uh, Dixon's and Curry stores and then it was great because you always knew dad would be home on a Sunday and would cook a roast and it was kind of and mum would wouldn't be he wouldn't cook so much and things and you could really tell that he absolutely loved that pleasure um, and he's again is the one that kind of loves doing Christmas cooking I think mum, mum just gets stressed by it with timings and everything whereas dad's just like it's all it's okay. a really innate thing isn't it yeah like, you can sort of either balance it out in your head naturally yeah. or it's really hard work yes exactly 
it's interesting because obviously when I was younger, I was, well, not, in, not obviously, I was a very fussy eater. Um, painfully so. It's kind <laughs> of amazing to think that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I essentially mostly just ate cheese which is interesting because now I am not great with dairy so maybe I made that happen <laughs> maybe you overdid it who knows <laughs> yeah that's pretty much cheese sandwich was the only thing you could get me to eat so what what what, what age were you when you kind of started being a bit more adventurous and you started trying you know, it's really when I went to uni um, right, right, yeah right. so I mean obviously I'd, I definitely ate more by then but again I wasn't I was never kind of that into meat I'm still I mean I will eat I do eat it and enjoy it but if I can have a really amazing vegetarian meal I don't I don't feel like I've missed out if I haven't had meat um in fact I'm very conscious that if I've had <laughs> meat quite quite a few times I'm like, oh no I need to not have it for like a week or two now just because I feel like I've eaten it too yeah, much yeah but no, at uni, I think there was just, obviously you kind of, you're away, you're exploring, you don't want to be appearing like you won't eat anything. Because um, I didn't, that's when I started eating fish. Um, okay. Because a friend cooked salmon and I went, just went round for dinner and I was a bit like, oh no. I'm just going to have to eat <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's actually quite nice. <laughs> so that's, again, it was my mindset because I never used to like it, but I don't like that. Yeah. And even now I will refuse to say that I don't eat that without trying it and seeing whether or not I actually like that flavour. Because your taste has changed. They you do. Might just like it now, they do know. drastically. And I do. There's lots of things that I'm you know, particularly with fish, like you honestly couldn't get me near it. And I am still a bit funny with seafood. And I think again it's just it's for me as well, it's it's not just so much flavours, it's textures. Okay, um, yeah, and there were a lot of weird textures. Yes, <laughs> you're a bit like that's a bit chewier than I'd like it to be. <laughs> Again, it is experimentation and getting used to it, and it's funny. The mind does strange things. So, obviously, if you're putting something in your mouth and there's a, there's a part of you that's not convinced it's going to be very nice, you tell your body's then communicating that it's not very nice. Totally. So it is. It is definitely about. Sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to know what it is, and I'll just eat it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's why I love. The idea of supper clubs, obviously you kind of know, but often yeah, um, yeah. You, you sit there and you get different things, you're like, oh, what's that? I kind of just, I don't know, eat it more, that's nice. And then and you find out... it something you wouldn't choose yourself. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's what I loved about it. I went to a vegan one a couple of years ago, and it was really good. And I just, you know, just eating all these things, and and I wasn't fussed about what it was. And if I, you try it, and then it's all about the sensation and, what, and whether that works. And from that, then you figure out, okay, I do like that, or I don't like that particular thing, without having that concept of already knowing what it is and having a preconceived idea as to whether or not you might enjoy it mm. and so yeah so uni was definitely where I started discovering myself I've always loved hosting and so we'd cook dinners and things and just experiment um and then when mum came to visit I was like can we cook you know rice and peas and chicken and we did and it was from then I think obviously the 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 pleasure and enjoyment of Caribbean cooking started very subtly without me realising and that's it's, and again it's interesting that obviously it took me to go away to kind of soften the case yeah it, to kind of start exploring it so when I was when I was uh, moved to Hackney that's when I first moved out from home because mm. um, I was living in South London before that's where I'm from 
we are just I just live with three amazing girls, um, all women, and we just we didn't even have a TV in there or anything proper living room at first, just because we dumped everything in there until the furniture all went. Um, and we would just ha- cook really lovely dinners and drink excessive amounts of red wine, <laughs> like you know, really started from then. And I just I I think obviously the supper clubs made sense as when I suddenly when I randomly was like right I'm just starting a supper club because it was an extension of your living room in that kind of sense of like you're hosting people and it's about being really homely and comfortable and delivering this you know home-cooked quality or quality of home-cooked food because restaurants are amazing but sometimes you just really want that that sense of yes. being really comfortable yeah it's a very different vibe going yeah to a club. very different and that's why i love and i love when people kind of interact with each other and they chat which you would not get at a restaurant <sighs> you know you're kind of like oh that person sat way too close yeah. to me like we really want to hear what i mean will we even pay attention to the conversations that other people are having but you we all get quite funny oh, about it yeah. yeah a sense of that that kind of public private space thing so when you were young, did you ever, I mean, did you ever think that you would end up working in food? Oh my Lord, no. But <laughs> <laughs> so what was the moment where it kind um, of came about? It was when I was, so I took, so I was working in fashion. Um, <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing before and um, realised it was not for me. Yeah. No. Um, I, I enjoyed it in that kind of e- creative sense, but I wasn't doing enough creative work and that was slowly killing my soul Um, (laughs) and I just I love clothes I find fashion amazing but I was like I don't need to be this stressed about clothes I mean I was working within shoes it was a bit better not better but different um but I was like I really don't want to be worried about when the samples delivered I just no and so I just took some time out and started nannying um because that's what I used to do when I was studying (laughs) Um, on and off over the years and started working for an amazing family that I'm still really good friends with now um, and the bubs was just uh, just every year when I started and so when he would have his naps at lunchtime I would just cook great lunches yeah so I'd cook lunch for myself and Amanda and um, we would just just have great chats and just would be eating food talking about food dreaming about food <laughs> it was just generally very food based like my interview I just was busy talking to her about the fact that I'd made some chilli jam and we just, <laughs> we just laughed and just spoke and so nice. yeah, yeah and um, her husband Blaney was like did you actually uh, talk about the chilli <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and I think that's when it became quite clear that food was going to start playing a very vital role in what I do for the rest of my life just because she did it was it was kind of Amanda's in um, belief, I suppose, that she was like, "You've got a really good way with food. Have you ever thought about doing anything with it?" And weirdly, I did say that I'd always dreamed of one day maybe having a cafe. Mm. Um, but it sometimes was, you need someone to say that to you. Externally. Well, you do, like, oh, yeah, no, you do. I think because I mean, you, there's always that 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 snorty little doubt that creeps in oh, totally. with most things in life. So sometimes you just need someone that can see that ability in you to just go, just give it a go. I think that's what, in life, it, it, it isn't about necessarily having to choose one thing. I mean, I've done so many different things. And even with doing food, I can see that there's lots of other passions I have and eventually I'd like to be able to, you know, go back to doing some photography mm. and that kind of thing. It's not just about having one pathway. I what think if that's... you do our book? Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> I'd know. I'm slowly working on something which would be great. Yes. 
cooking at home and even if you have like 15 people over or doing a supper club it's very different like when you obviously do the restaurant kind of when I did the residency and things and it was a bit of a shock to the system and I did have a bit of a moment where I was like do I want to do this which again I think it's that that worry and self-doubt creeping in because you just you know when can I do this yes I think obviously there's an element where I hadn't had any kind of formalized chef training and so there's that part of you that's like but if I've not had that I don't know what I'm doing so really is it is it worth doing or will I be as good as this person or will it actually get anywhere and Again, it's just that naughty self doubt that likes to creep in, but yeah, totally. I think it's important to actually recognise that um, you don't necessarily have to study something to realise that you have an, a, an ability with it or an understanding of it, and that can come like just as obviously the whole thing is that you've with you've, if you studied or trained, it just means you've had that more experience, and that's what you have to think about it. And so it's important to just get that experience another exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah do the residency have more supper clubs just watch how other people do things pay attention experiment at home and that comes and that's why you know obviously when people first start they're not you know whatever level they end up at it's all about training and keeping and persevering so I think it's then about reassessing and going all right well how do I get that experience in a more um, in a different context and, and and education which I think is so important for people to understand that education it isn't just it's not just one thing it's never just one option it's not necessarily just sitting in school it's about seeing what's going on around you and taking all of that in and actually that education can be even more valuable oh yeah you're you're responding to your environment yeah rather than just sort of I think edu- you know classroom education can be a bit one size fits all I know I'm not I I, I really do believe that there's there must be a better approach. Yeah. <laughs> and I was someone that was quite academic in 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 the sense that I had the ability to do it. But yeah. I was bored. I yeah, didn't yeah, I yeah. didn't enjoy it. I when I enjoyed something I really excelled because I would actually give it yeah. my all. Whereas if I wasn't fussed about it, I would be fine because I was I was lucky in that sense that I understood it and could do it. But, you know, in that kind of if you're measuring success and kind of how well you do whatever I could have of course done better but for me that was never where I wanted to be you know and it's funny I never I didn't know what it was I wanted to do but I always had a sense that I needed to do something for myself because I don't I think I've never I've never been conventional in that sort of sense of being like I want to just sit or not just sit in an office, but I, I was a fear. I've always had this fear of ending up doing something, the same thing every day, all day, every day. And I couldn't, that's just not me. Thank you so much to Marie Mitchell. Chatting to her is always an absolute delight, and even more so when you go home with a huge chunk of lemon drizzle in your bag. As well as being a brilliant baker. As a chef, Marie cooks some of the most delicious food I've ever tasted. No exaggeration. And if you live in London or are visiting at any point, I urge you to immediately book a table at Island Social Club, which is popping up in the evenings for the rest of the year at Curio Cabal in Dalston. I've been twice already since it opened this year and have spent most of my time dreaming about the curry mutton and the roti and everything else since. It's a triumph. So congrats to Marie and Joe and the team and may the rest of the year be a huge success for Island Social Club. 
I'm also still dreaming about a dessert at the Pops Kitchen Supper Club I went to last year, which was a panna cotta made with coconut milk, and I've never tasted anything quite like it. She is a genius. You can find Island Social Club on Twitter and Instagram at Island So Club and book via their website, islandsocialclub.co.uk. I'll also put a link in the show notes to the episode of Let's Eat that features Marie and her mum because it's a really lovely lesson. Not that I'm biased at all, of course. And I also just wanted to include a little plug for something else that Marie is involved in with Island Social Club, an event called Nyaming. Nyaming is a series of immersive dining events investigating Caribbean cuisine, exploring food tradition that reaches far beyond the plate. Episode 3 is happening very soon on the 4th of April and will involve a collaborative four-course menu developed with the co-founder of Vegan Supper Club D's Table, Danae Moore, who's also an excellent musician, as well as paired cocktails from Joe and a live performance. Tickets and more info on the Island Social Club website. Don't forget to follow Lekka on Twitter and Insta if you don't already. It's at Lekka Podcast. And tell your friends if you think they'd love a podcast about the power of a good meal. We were recently featured in a Spotify curated selection of podcasts for foodies on the app alongside chart dominators like Jessie Ware, which is very nice. It always helps to spread the word if you like what you hear. Thanks to Marie. Thanks to all of you for listening. Music is, as always, by my favourites, Blue Dot Sessions, who have done so much for the sonic identity of the podcasting landscape. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs>